one thing I would say is that regard with wherever you are, if you're in the church, if you're out the church, like when someone's going through a very like uh, it's it's tumultuous. It's like um, it's like a cognitive dissonance is happening when you're being presented with information that does not match the information you've always been taking in. Mm-hmm. It's really disorienting. And, uh, you know, I would just say, like, honor that person's journey, honor where they are, like, be a support system for them, do not push to keep them in, do not push to keep them out. And, like, also let them know that your love for them is not dependent on what they believe or who they are or, like, where they, you know, align with uh, religiously. Like, it is, that that was, like, one of the hardest things um, for me was just feeling like, uh, there were people that, you know, didn't view me the same because I, my beliefs changed. And it was like, whoa, that's crazy. It is time for another episode of The Cultural Hall, and I am excited to introduce you to, uh, I'm going to say friend, because I know that by the end of this, we'll be able to call ourselves friends. It's just acquaintances at this point. Texting buddies, my friend Kelsey Edwards, welcome in. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yes, you know, we will be friends. <laughs> yeah, and it's been it it's I know that we really started about talking about chatting a few months ago when I saw you crying online and we'll get into that cuz I just was like what is going on? Uh <laughs> but but I think that w- I want to say that a few years ago I made the initial reach out and was like, "Oh, you're a musician and here's the thing." And you're like, "Ah, busy. We'll get back to this at another time." And now there's a whole other part of you and what makes up you and all those things that that we'll certainly get into today. So I appreciate you finally making some time and me making some time and the stars have aligned. Yeah, I know I'm excited about it too. I, I do remember that we connected a few years ago, although I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the details of it, but I'm very glad that we're able to talk about this now and that we've all been able to make the time for a great podcast experience. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess just lump to it, uh, because I, I feel like when I say, Hey, I'm watching you cry online, people are, mm-hmm. will listen to other parts of this story, but they're going to be in the back of their mind going, what was she crying about? What was this whole thing? Uh, why is she crying? <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's jump to it. A couple months ago, um, maybe three, four months ago, just doing the thing that we all do had my, uh, social media up and I was like, Oh no. And I don't even know you that well, but instantly I was like, oh, well, I hope everything is everything is all right. What's going on? Tell me kind of what led up to that that moment. Yes. Why was I crying on the Internet? Uh, great question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, a few months ago in October of 2022, I released a song called Life in a Box. Um, and that song was kind of like my coming out for lack of a better word of leaving the church. Um, it's like a, it's a difficult thing to talk about because there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of, you know, feelings about it. It's an identity. I have lived my whole life as a very devout, strong member of the church. Um, and so when I released that song, I think it was very difficult for a lot of people, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. And there were, um, some really positive, there's some really positive feedback and there was some really not so positive feedback. And a lot of people that, uh, were very hurt by my personal decisions and like confused by it and all of these things. And so some of them were, were very kind and some of them were not very kind. Mm -hmm. And I was really struggling for a few months there, um, with some of the backlash that I was getting with some of the way that people were, some of the ways that people were talking to me, some of the people that chose to leave my life as a result of me sharing that I had left the church and uh, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. I felt incredibly vulnerable and uh, incredibly raw. It was already such a difficult thing for me to be open about. I didn't want to tell anybody. I almost didn't tell anybody, but I mm-hmm. felt it was not in, it wasn't in line with, like, it wouldn't have been, uh, I wouldn't have had integrity. That's like struggling to find the right words. It mm-hmm. would have been a lack of integrity if I had not told people like where I was at because everyone knew me as one particular way. And I'm no longer that way. So I felt like it was important to share. And um, anyways, all that to say, uh, that's why I was crying on the internet. Because yeah. I yeah, was now, and now I feel bad. I feel bad that I framed you like this person that's just, you know, crying. But it, it, it was, you could tell it was something that was uh, truly impacting you very deeply. And, and, yeah. and more and more on more than one occasion that there was something that you were struggling through and working through. I, I want to give people a, a, a quick little sample of that song, Life in a Box. So maybe we'll do first verse and chorus. 
And then, uh, and we can talk about it. Uh, Obviously, we'll talk about where people can get it. But I I think the lyrics are are pretty spot on to the experience you were having. So let's play a little bit of that and we'll come back. I'm really happy. Got people I love. Cool things keep happening in this city of love. But I got a confession I'm not going to church Sometimes I drink coffee I'm not reading a word mm-hmm. And I work so hard And I've come so far All that you see So, uh, yeah, you can definitely tell, you know, when we're, we're talking about things like I've got a confession, I'm not going to church, part of those lyrics. I mean, it, it's pretty on the nose, but then it leaves me to have some questions uh, around the, you know, uh, your words, your lyrics, the life in a box. Describe to me what what that was to you and, and, and what we're talking about. Yeah, life in a box, it came, that whole metaphor came because I feel... And I will be the first to say, I don't, I don't blame the church for anything. I'm not one of those people that's angry. That's like, Oh, I hate the church. I'm not at all. Like I loved the church for a very long time. It was a very important part of my life. A lot of who I am today is because of who I was and how I was raised. And so I hope everyone listening knows that I'm not one of those people that's here to bash the church. It's not my intention at all. Um, Having said that, there were things about it that uh, at some point I realized we're not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think certain parts of my personality were amplified by some of the teachings of the gospel. Um, I have always been like, well, I shouldn't say always been, but when I was younger, I really, I really struggled with like perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with like, uh, scrup- scrupulosity is what it's called. Like almost <laughs> like religious OCD. Yeah. I didn't know what that word meant at the time, but now I'm able to look back and identify that's exactly what I had. Um, Every part of my life and in terms of the church was very extreme. Like I had to do it all the way. I had to be the most righteous. I had to be the most holy. Like um, I never, I never made mistakes. And that sounds super stupid to say, but it's true. Like I I was like a very righteous, like perfect, you know, as much as I could be. Mm -hmm. And because of those like very high expectations that I felt at times were put on me and at other times I put on myself. Um, I felt very much boxed in. Like I had to live the way that other people wanted me to live. I had to look to somebody else for approval, look to somebody else for validation, check in with somebody else. Am I good enough? Am I doing okay? Do I get to go here? Do I get to be here? Like, am am I doing enough? And Mm -hmm. I felt restricted by um, the, the gender roles at times and like the expectation to be a mom or to like you know, stay at home, things, things that at some point I realized, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if mm-hmm. I want to be that. Um, and so there was a lot of things with just like the expectations of perfectionism, checking with everybody else, if I was good enough that I just felt like constantly like limited and restricted and boxed in and like, ah, like it got to a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I just, yeah, I feel like I'm in a box and I feel like I've lived my whole life in a box of people's expectations. And that's kind of, yeah, the best analogy that I was able to come up with was just feeling boxed in. So. It sounds exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. It I'm, was. I'm, I mean, when when you consider, I mean, life, I think, just in general, right? <laughs> if we really look at it, like sometimes life just can can feel exhausting, right? From the expectations to the things that we literally have to do just to be able to continue to live to the chores of this to there and all that. And then you add that extra level of like, oh, I'm expected to do this or a woman in this faith, you know, has this expectation of what she'll do. A man expect, is expected to do these things and and everything like that. And, and it does just sort of scream a, a lot and exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you think it was that made you um, 
sort of get off the wheel or like stop spinning because there's a lot of people who they see it they observe it they're exhausted they also can even recognize maybe within themselves some level of scrupulosity or like uh, OCD behavior religiously but they can't seem to step off the wheel what do you think mm -hmm. it was that that allowed you to go hold on different ride let's get out yeah let's, let's step off this yeah and again, I, I feel I, I want to reiterate that as I'm like being very open about my transition and my journey, I, I want to make sure no one feels threatened. I'm not trying to call anyone else's beliefs into question. I just want to sure. share that this this is my current belief and this is how I feel about the world now. And this is what didn't work for me. So, um, yeah, I just want to be very respectful because I, I know there's many people listening that are still very faithful and that's totally cool. Um, for me, one of the one of the biggest like shifts uh that happened for me I was like I said I was very faithful very like devoted I like served a mission I was a trainer I was a training leader a sister training leader which means I was a leader in the mission for like half of my mission mm -hmm. I I like went to BYU I was a Relief Society president I don't say any of that to brag but just to give you some context as to like where I was within the context of the gospel mm -hmm. and um things started to rattle me a little bit on my mission there were some experiences that i had where i started to question some of the doctrines of the church and i started to i ran into some people that like i just started to question like wait a second i'm telling these people that this is the only way they can be happy that the truest form of happiness lies within the gospel and the restored gospel of jesus christ and yet i'm looking at these people and they seem really genuinely happy um, I'm feeling like conflicted. Like, I don't know that I really can add anything else to their life. There's a bunch of experiences like that. People, uh, people, you know, not wanting the book of Mormon because they were feeling very confident with the Bible. And then me being able to observe their life and see like, actually they are doing pretty good. And they're all, they are happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I had taught a member, I had taught somebody on my mission and she, I was telling her about like the plan of salvation. I was telling her about, uh, baptisms for the dead, ceilings and all of these things that we do for people that, you know, so that they can be with their families forever. And she was very confused. And she looked at me and she was like, I don't, I don't know why you would think I need any of that. Like, I believe in a God that's going to let me be with my family anyways, after this life. Like, mm -hmm. why would I need a temple? Why would I need this? Why would I need that? Like, I don't believe in a God that separates families after they die. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> hmm. never thought of it that way before. <laughs> like, I guess that's true. You know, if you believe in a God that keeps that allows families to be together, then I guess the whole temple ceiling thing is maybe not as necessary. So there are things like that, that some of my beliefs started to get called into question. And I was a missionary. So I was like very devout. And I was like, that's okay. Turn to preach my gospel, turn to the scriptures, talk to my mission president, you know, uh, rely on my faith, doubt your doubts, breathe out your faith, all of these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. um, but those questions kind of lived in the back of my mind. People People having miracles, whether fake or whether real, it doesn't really matter. I mean, but like having miracles being performed in certain churches without the power of the priesthood. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's not possible. So either that's fake or miracles are possible without the priesthood. And then I'd be like, that's okay. God recognizes faith, you know, like faith of all kinds is valuable, even if or is valid, even if it doesn't have the priesthood. So yeah. I'm trying to like explain these things to myself. But at the same time, my beliefs are like, wait, what, you know? Mm -hmm. And then after that point, um, maybe like a couple of years, it must've been like five years later, I, I got home from my mission at the end of 2014. And, and then I went to Europe on a backpacking trip in 2017. And the things that had been kind of like growing under the surface, some of those questions and thoughts were really amplified when I went on this backpacking trip. And I just like, I had so much freedom and so much space to just explore the world and see things around me. And at this point, I'm about 22 and um, 23, maybe. And I just was like, it was just, it, I feel like I'd been living in a bubble and mm -hmm. um, a bubble of my beliefs, a bubble of my identity. And I was put in a completely different continent, you know, in a completely different country where people almost didn't even believe in God. And again, some of those questions started coming back up. Like, I believe, or I've always believed that people that don't have God in their life, people that don't have the fullness of the restored gospel in their life cannot be truly happy. Like they have a form of happiness. It's not the full happiness. Mm -hmm. And then I would like observe these people and these little families. And we stayed with this family in, um, in Amsterdam or near Amsterdam. And I just remember watching them we were on a bike ride. And I was just like, that is joy. Like these people are happy. They're so happy. I don't understand. How can they be this happy when they don't have what I have? 
anyways, all that to say, there were experiences that happened a lot on that trip that just really kind of opened my mind, caused me to rethink some of the things that I believed, some of the ways that I identified, um, challenged my beliefs. And then after that, I started having a bunch of friends that were coming out as like gay. And like, I realized the way that they, the experience they were having is they weren't able to um, participate fully in the gospel. Like they weren't able to hold callings because they wanted to, one of my friends wanted to date a man. So he wasn't able to hold a calling. He wasn't able to go to the temple. He wasn't able to like, you know, participate fully in the gospel. And I, I really struggled with that. I was like, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I don't know if I believe in a God that doesn't let his children participate fully in his gospel just because of who they love. So there were so many things that just kind of started building up over the years. And it Mm -hmm. was a very long process. Like it was not overnight. I first started having questions in like 2013. I wouldn't say I officially like left the church until like 2019. So that's like a pretty long stretch of like years. Granted, it's my whole life up until that point. I was 25 when I finally was like, okay, so 25 years of, of going to church and, you know, learning and programming and conditioning and, you know, all of these beliefs that I had created, it took about six years for me to really be able to dismantle them and be like, okay, I think I need to try something else. So anyway, sorry, that was a very long tangent, but <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I mean, it it is a process and, and one that, uh, I mean, there's some part of it that seems like it would be really scary because you've, yeah. you've sort of you've believed a way and this is the way and there is no other way. And then to go, what if there is, Yeah, I I think that there are probably people that are listening to this whom um, feel very similarly, if not to one of the things that you just expressed to many of the things that you just expressed, but because um, they don't know what the other side looks like or some level of fear, they just kind of, you know, we talk within the church about putting it on the shelf. You said it was sort of in the back of your mind. We put it up on the shelf and we go, you know what? I'll figure that out later Mm -hmm. just because they can't imagine what a life would be like, or because of the experiences that have been positive that they've had within the church, the idea of stepping away feels to negate all of those experiences. So, so, Mm -hmm. so was it scary? Talk to me about that. So scary. Yeah, it was, it was very scary because I mean, to to be fair, I I think, like you said, we are taught to, to fear that a little bit, like the church is, the church is safe and it is, the church is, is a community. It's, it's love, it's home. It's when you've been raised in the church, it is all you've ever known. I've spent every single Sunday of my life at church for three hours. And I know it's two now, but you know, mm-hmm. at the time for me, it was three hours, you know, every six months I'm watching general conference. Like it is an, it's an identity. It was ex- like completely who I was. And so for me to take like that step and like dip a toe in the water on the other side was like very scary. And, um, I, I did it very slowly. Like I still, um, you know, what it got to at the point though was like I realized I for me to stay in the church again would have been out of integrity. It would have been like not in alignment with my integrity at that point. Um and I had to I had to make a change. I had to try something to see if I could live more integrity with more in integrity. I don't know how to say that, but you know what more I mean. More integritous. Yeah, more integritous, more integral, whatever. Like I needed to <laughs> That's a weird word, but I was not living in integrity when I was like at that point in my life. So I was like, let's just try this. Let's just dip a toe in. I had moved. I had just moved to L.A. And to be honest, I think that was part of what gave me the freedom uh, or not like moved to L.A., but I just got in a place in L.A. I started spending more time there. And um, I yeah, that gave me the freedom to kind of like step away from everybody who knew me in Utah, everyone who knew me from Texas, where I grew up, like all of the old version of Kelsey that everybody knew. I was like, I'm in LA. I can create whoever I want to be. I can be whatever version of me I want to be. You know, let me give this a shot. And so for the first little bit, I was mixing like both. Like I still went to the YSA ward here a few times, the young single adult ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, went to church there a couple of times, found the ward where I was living, you know, checked in there a couple of times. I was like, maybe I can make this work outside of Utah. Maybe it's just a Utah thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually like it just felt like my soul was like screaming for like a break like you just need to give this a try you've never been on the other side like you said you've never tried this you've never once explored what could be on the other side of this so how will you know if you want to stay if you don't just see what's over there something you've been afraid of something you've been like you know 
yes, terrified of, frankly, your whole life. So, so I was Uh, like, well, let's give it a shot. (laughs) I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I'd like to pick it up right there. And maybe we start to get into some of the, those that are around you, they start to see a difference and what some of those reactions are. We'll come back and we'll do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Hey, you guys wanted to talk to you about a new voice app on the Amazon Alexa. It's made by the church, that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's geared for kids and grandkids aged 4 to 11. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill, and it allows your kids to play the Friend Magazine from an Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Now, here's what's cool about it. Each month, it's going to include new stories and new music from the Friend Magazine. It's, uh, you know, a thing that your kids, they know what it is. In fact, if you said, hey, kids, enable the Friend Magazine skill, they've already done it before you even ask them. And the best part is it's free. It's built by the church. So there is no advertisements or any content that you need to worry about. And it's a fun, great way to help your kids learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill Be sure to enable it on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com, and we'd love to hear from you, whether you think you might be a great guest uh, or there's a subject that you're like, oh man, you guys haven't done an episode about this ever or not for a long time or, you know, I was just reading this book and you have to get the author, whatever that recommendation is, or if you just want to say, hey, you can do that, contact at theculturalhall.com. Kelsey, uh, I would venture to guess that since you have made this sort of public, um, that you have gotten some of these types of responses. Oh, life just wasn't going well for her. She didn't, she didn't find the partner and now she's disenchanted with the church or, uh, like, you know what she wanted to do. She, she, she got caught up in the great and spacious building out in LA and, and that's what happens. That's why you have to, or she really wanted to insert whatever behavior you wanted to do. She wanted to sleep with someone. She wanted to drink something. She wanted to smoke or something. Uh, how much of that have you received as you have sort of said, yeah, uh, pause out. <laughs> Sadly, like quite a bit. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. been, I think there's a big misconception. And I remember feeling this way. It's at, when I was very like about in the church too, is exactly what you said. Like, oh man, they just got lazy. Like mm-hmm. I've been called a lazy learner, you know, like, oh man, you just didn't want to you just didn't want to keep it up. Like it's just easier to sin than it is to follow the commandments. Like it's you. Yeah. Like all those things you said, you just wanted to, you know, sleep around or you wanted to drink or whatever it might be. And, um, I understand because there is like when someone says, Hey, this thing that everybody else believes is not for me. There is a moment where you start to feel threatened. Like, Hey, like if, if, if you're trying to say this isn't true, then like, now I have to jump to defend and come up and poke holes in your argument for why this doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen that a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's what you said. And then the other thing people will try to like, um, go around whatever points I've made at some point, like, uh, you know, I was on another podcast and I've talked about it sometimes in like TikToks and stuff like that. People will try to like find the hole in like my argument of like, well, you said this and that's not true because of this. So therefore the reason you left the church is invalid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, like that is, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people do that where they're like, well, yeah, that was your reasoning and that's not even accurate. So yeah, it's wrong. And I'm like, yep. that's very interesting. Well, and and if you walk that out a little bit, let's say that, I mean, let's put a, for instance, that's not you know accurate as far as this goes, the, that you left over something that wasn't accurate 
and and you found yourself out and that was where you needed to be that's where you chose for your life to be right then i don't i don't think that there's a or i haven't met this person whoever has had someone speak into their life and be like the way you're doing it is wrong and have that person be like you know what <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah, you know i just especially random people on the internet thank you person yep. i don't know who yeah. i don't know you know who i don't feel loved or cared for by i'm going to go ahead and just you got me there i'm going to stop behavior now and shift back to the thing that will make you feel more comfortable because yeah. of that thing and and so that's what i think is so interesting because it isn't about a right or a wrong or about mm -hmm. anything like that and one step further the thing that drives me crazy uh is Within the church, you know, we we believe that that God can witness to people the truthfulness of things, right? I mean, you remember that you, you talked yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Mean, that's the premise of everything, Joseph Smith, yeah. all the things. And yet, if someone says, "I'm just going to take a break," I'm going to step away. I or this thing isn't for me. Somehow, we feel threatened by that, where it it almost is a test of our faith. Where it's like, listen, if if it's true. Don't worry about it. God will sort that out. Yep. <laughs> so, so, so love that person. Stop, you know, internet trolling them and just allow them to feel loved. And then God will sort out the rest. Yeah, I could, I could not agree more. And that's the funniest thing to me is like, I, I invite people who are so threatened by my decision to look inward. Why are you threatened by that? Like, I am not attacking anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm not tearing down your faith. If I was, I could understand you being a little bit retaliate, like retaliating towards mm -hmm. me. I'm not like, that's not my job. I don't want to do that. I support whatever somebody believes. Um, so why are you so threatened by what I've chosen to do for my own personal life? <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. maybe like, again, you're feeling threatened. Like, oh, if she's saying it's not true. Then maybe it isn't. But no, but it is like, I don't know. Like, you got to look at that in, for yourself because you know, my, my beliefs and my decisions, like you said, should not affect you. If mm -hmm. this is true, then at the end of the day, like you're going to be great. And whatever happens with me is my business and God's going to work it out with me. You know what I mean? Like not your problem. So move on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, and, and to that point though, I think it's super easy to say that with like people we don't know on the internet uh, and yeah. even some friends, right. And maybe even some close friends. But I, I think that the video that I saw, uh, you, uh, get super emotional in and around was where you shared uh, the song with your mom. And that's, that's a whole different thing, right? That is, talk to me about that experience. Yeah, it's, it's been a journey with my mom. And I know a lot of people who have left the church can understand this because there are phases of your parents or your family being able to understand and accept you and feeling very hurt and very afraid, frankly. You know, I know my my mom's biggest thing at the start was, hey, if you're not living the temple covenants, if you're not honoring your covenants, and if you're not, you know, be, you know, being the version of yourself that you need to be to be in the celestial kingdom with us, you're not going to be with us. And that like really scared her, you know, it was like, I'm going to be here and I don't know where you're going to be. And um, I understand that fear from that place of belief, like that is her belief, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I tried to sympathize with that and understand, like, she's afraid of not being with me in the next life. Like, that's coming from a place of love. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like, I I am asking for you to accept, like, who I am and, like, the version of me that I am and what I'm choosing. And so we've come to a space now where we've been able to say, like, hey, we may not agree on everything, but, like, I am asking you to honor who I am and what I believe, and I will do the same for you. So you know, just as much as I want her to accept the choices that I've made and the version of me that I am, it is so important for me to do the same for her, like honoring her beliefs, honoring what she cares about. You know, I ask her like, Hey, how was your lesson on Sunday? How did your talk go? Like, what did you talk about? You know, she'll tell me about her lesson and the scriptures and everything like that. And it's never in like a pushing way. It's, it's simply about sharing what she did that day, the same way that I'll share like, cool on Sunday, I went on a hike and then I took a yoga class and you know, it's like, I'm not trying to tell you this is how you should spend your Sundays. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying this is what I did, you know? So we've come to a space now of like acceptance, but yeah, me showing that song to her in that video was actually the first time she'd ever heard the song. And, um, it was, yeah, it was very emotional. You can see in the video, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what is she going to say? What is she going to think? This is after we've already come to some like acceptance with each other, but I was still, it was so vulnerable, you know, mm -hmm. for me. And a lot of the song is written to her, especially the bridge. 
um like a there's a part where it's like um i hate the, i meant to my friends me different like there's a bullet um did i break all the branches on our family tree and i want you to be proud i know god still loves me i hate that my freedom is making you cry like that section is is to my mom like i want you to be proud i i want to make her proud so anyways we were crying and it was <laughs> on the internet you can see it but uh you know it's better now so yeah and and, you know uh a technical thing there will be a link to that in the show notes so people can go and and kind of see that you know uh it's it takes a hard way to get to it but um you know you talk about the the personal integrity and and sometimes if we can kind of remove ourselves from like how we think other people should live, I think that as a fundamental and I don't want to put words into your mom out your mom's mouth, but I think most parents want their kids to be integritous people, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, the converse of that is if you went to your mom and you're like, listen, I'm not living who I am. I'm, you know, I this feels super inauthentic. I don't, I'm not, I don't have the passion for it. I don't really believe it, but I'm going through the motions. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, similarly, I can't imagine that your mom would be like, cool, well, good, keep it up. Cause I want to make sure, you know, like that yeah. and, put, and put in that way, it sounds silly right that's why you're laughing but but i i really do think that there there is some uh empathy that can grow out of well would you want to live something oh, in a way that felt disingenuous to mm-hmm. how you felt no you wouldn't so why would you mm-hmm. want someone else to do that exactly yeah yeah no and i think that's a really perfect way to put it and i think that's the conclusion that she's been able to come to I am sure there's still part of her that feels sadness over it, which is natural, but, um, you know, she does a really good job now at like honoring who I am. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't care. Like if I talk about what I did on a Sunday or if like, I used to like, if I would go to a bar with my friends, I used to like hide that and be like, Oh yeah, we went out to dinner. You know, (laughs) I didn't want her to know, like I was at a bar and now I'm like, yeah, I know we, you know, we went to a bar, we had a glass of wine, not a big deal, you know? And she's like, Oh, cool. And um, you know, she's, she's so sweet. Actually, we, I used to be really anxious about like anytime I would drink coffee, I would never want to drink coffee in front of her. If I was ever at home and I got a latte, I'd throw the cup away before I came home. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mom can't see that I had coffee. And, uh, for Christmas last year, the year before last, she actually bought like a, like a Keurig coffee machine for the house in Utah, which is like so sweet. And I just like, I literally cried. I was like, wow. Like that was like, to me, a sign of like, Hey, you don't have to hide. Like I accept mm-hmm. you fully for who you are. And, uh, that really meant a lot to me. So, well, and it's a deep kind of love that sort of goes along, along with it, right. Accepting someone for who and who and where they're at always. Yeah. It it doesn't mean that they have to be, that's the part where we miss it so much is if I say it's great for you that you've done that, that somehow that that speaks to my faith, you know? Right. Oh, and it doesn't, it doesn't, I can have all of the empathy in the world and feel differently than you. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're right or I'm right or you're wrong or I'm wrong. But where we get so tripped up is where it's like, I can't do that because yeah. I feel threatened if I do that to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's so true. <laughs> let, let me ask you about, uh, uh, other family, any other family sort of reactions worth noting? Honestly, um, not so much. My family has been the least of the challenges here. Both of my brothers have actually also left the church. We all kind of left around the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a gift that I did not know. <laughs> I really, we didn't ever talk about it, which is so funny, but like, neither of us were like, Hey, are you kind of, you too? Yeah. No, it wasn't like that. It was just like, Hey, I'm out. Hey, me too. Wait, I've been struggling too. Like, and so um, all, all my brothers and I were like, each other's rock like it just yeah it was such a gift to like be able to have them to rely on and then my mom obviously that was a challenge my parents are divorced my dad left the church a very long time ago Mm -hmm. uh so he wasn't you know it wasn't a thing with him and um you know all of my extended family has been pretty supportive I know it's hard on my grandma I only have like one living grandparent left and she she was like a little like oh well you know I, I honor I'm grateful for you and I love you and whatever makes you happy um I think it might've been hard for like maybe a couple of my aunts, but honestly, everyone's been so, so loving and supportive within my family. And that is such a gift because I know some people don't have that experience. Yeah, Were were your brother's experiences similar to yours as far as it was an integrity issue or did they find themselves kind of finding their way out for different? And obviously it's not your experience to tell, but I'm just curious if you all kind of walked that same path or it was several different paths that ended in the same conclusion. 
Yeah, I think it was similar in just that they realized like some of the beliefs were not were not aligning with them. Um, some of the some of the the big core things, I guess what it boils down to for me and for them. And again, this might challenge some people's belief system. I recognize that is that um, I used to believe that there was only one way to be happy and that kind of like the church had the trademark on happiness and like living the commandments, fulfilling my covenants and everything was the only way to be happy. I have since learned that for me, there is so many ways to be happy. And I, I have so much happiness and joy in the life that I live now. And I think my brothers had the same experience where they were like, hey, I don't know that this version is the only way to find joy. And, um, you know, through that, like dismantling process and trying different things and, you know, questioning certain beliefs that they, you know, ended up at the same place. So what what and this is going to open the can of worms, as they say, what is um, <laughs> or has been uh, sort of the the worst? I do not recommend zero out of five stars response that you have received from leaving the church, like what mm-hmm. people, response mm-hmm. from people have said to me. Yeah. Um, I had, I had uh, a couple people, a family friend very close to me say like, I can't, I can't be a part of your life anymore. Um, she's since come back and apologized and, and like taken that back. So I do want to add that as a caveat, but, sure. uh, but that was really painful. That was really, really painful. Um, I what had, you, what, let me ask you about, and again, it's her, probably her, her experience. And maybe that would be an interesting kind of side episode to this whole thing. But what, what do you, so as I've had the opportunity recently to kind of study a little bit more about boundaries, like I, I can sort of respect someone kind of who says, listen, for what I need, I, I'm going to need to not have you be a part of my life. I don't like it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, at least I can say, oh, that person is aware of what they need and be able to to walk it out and do that. Mm. When she came back to you and was like, hey, what, what what changed for her or what changed with you that allowed that to be possible? Um, I think I think a big thing for her... Uh, and I don't know if she's listening to this, but if she is, hello, I love you. But I think I think a big thing for her was feeling like um, a lot of people felt like I owed them an explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people felt uh, like hurt by my decision, hurt that they weren't a part of it, hurt that they uh, that I didn't come to them with uh, this transition or this like thing that I was struggling with. And I think some people, I can't speak for her directly, but I think some people felt like if you would come to me, I could probably have gotten you to stay Hmm. you know if you had told me about this thing you were struggling with or if you told me about this question you were having like I could have been part in getting you to stay and I understand that like it's it's painful to see someone you love leave the thing that you've always been a part of with them you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you're leaving a club almost you know it's like wait why are you leaving the club like you didn't even talk to me about this like and, and that's painful you know and some people I understand the idea of like you said keeping uh I don't want to use the word echo chamber because that sounds negative and I don't mean it in a negative way, but sure. having people that share your beliefs with you, you know, it's like, if I care about health and fitness, I want to surround myself with people who care about health and fitness because it keeps me going in that direction. Mm-hmm. So if you care strongly about the gospel, you want to surround yourself with people who care about the gospel. Like I sure. understand. Um, so I think that was kind of like where she was coming from a little bit. It was like, you didn't talk to me about this. I don't understand why you would do this. And then I, I think after a little bit of time and me saying like how hurt I was by that, frankly, I think she was able to come to like a place of being like, hey, I can accept you for who you are and like love you for, uh, you know, love all the versions of you, which is all I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all That's all I need. But um, yeah, that was pretty painful at first. And and to that point, I think it I think it can in a lot of these ways deepen the relationship that you have with people because then it's. Mm-hmm. You know, so often, I, I, I don't know if you ever find yourself um, doing this, uh, you know, because of being a performer and some of those things, but where you go, would would people really like me or love me or have respect for me if they knew who I really was? Like, they like, they like singing songwriting, Kelsey, <laughs> but would they really like, you know, you know, sometimes some self-doubt or, you know, they've got some church things or whatever, this allows you to be authentically who you are. And then the people who are in your life, you know, those people really love you. Dare I say charity or the pure love of Christ, as opposed to, yeah, you're cool. (laughs) We're doing the same thing. All right. I'll do the same thing with you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's so, that's so true. 
<laughs> and that's like, I think that's what it, what it really revealed to me at the end of the day was like exactly what you said. Who who is like here because they care about me genuinely, and who is here because they care about an old version of me or like a version of me that they think I am, you know? And um, when when there were some negative comments or when people left my life or whatever it might be, that was the most painful thing. Was like I am the same person. Anyone who knows me still knows me like knows I'm the same person I I think I'm a better version of myself now actually but like at at my core I'm still me (laughs) you know and so if you are simply not my friend anymore because of a belief that I no longer hold wow (laughs) Mm -hmm. that sucks like that really sucks but well and it speaks to you know what kind of person that person is yeah quite frankly yeah Uh, yeah is there anything anyone could have ever said, do you think? To get me to stay? Yeah. Um, no, because and that was a that was an interesting thing because because of people's um thoughts that they maybe could have changed my mind or mm-hmm. the reality is this was this was an internal journey. Mm-hmm. I did not take in any anti-Mormon literature. A lot of people that's also their thing is like, "Well, you must have read the CES letter or you must have like, you know, dove into anti." Never did. Never did did not touch it still have never read any of it to be completely honest because i don't care mm-hmm. i'm not here to like disprove the church or the history or anything like that um my journey was completely internally and it was completely internal and i realized that this it just was i was just not in alignment with myself anymore and there's nothing anybody could have said to change that you know and i at the beginning i really did talk to people i talked to my mission president i talked to like my bishop I was like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I have questions about this, you know? And even like, I had some friends that had left the church and I went like full missionary mode on them in the middle of my own faith journey and my own faith transition. Mm -hmm. And I was like fighting for the church and being like, well, let me, you know, yeah, let me like just, you know, unexplain that thing that you just said. I was doing what people are doing to me now. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. And if I can prove this wrong, then you'll stay. And, um, I was still studying the scriptures every day. I still fasted. I still prayed. Like my, my journey is not uh, something anybody could have stopped because it completely was an internal shift where I just realized this isn't me anymore. And I, I was studying my scriptures and reading and praying all the way up until the moment where I was like, I think I need to take a break. So you can't say that I got lazy. You can't say that I gave up. You can't say that I, you know, just like didn't want to believe anymore because I fought for this thing till the moment I had to stop. So, um, so yeah, no, I don't think anyone could have changed it. It's just, it's just the version of me that I am now, the beliefs that I hold now. And, uh, it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll pick it right up right there. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. BestDJinUtah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at BestDJinUtah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall. Because maybe, just maybe, I give a cultural hall discount. Uh, All sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, Whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember, uh, we are encouraging you to be some sort of active participant in the Cultural Hall. So if you've not yet left a review wherever you get this episode, uh, take a moment and leave a review. If you've already left a review, why not share this episode Uh, or another episode with one of your friends, a family member, something like that. We'd love if you drop that link in a text message or in an email or a messenger or or DM, whatever. I don't care. Just do it. Uh, And then, uh, you know, if there's people in your your congregation or people that you want to just share with, you can say, hey, I listen to the cultural hall and pique their interest. The point is, it's time for you to start doing something about it. So do one of those things, won't you please? Uh, Kelsey, I have to ask you, so uh, you don't know me, not very well anyway. Um, so I was excommunicated from the church and it was an interesting experience. Go and I get a letter and it says, hey, you're out. 
And then uh, it, it was an odd experience because, you know, one day I was in and the next day I was out. It may feel like a little bit um, s- sort of technical, I guess. But did you decide, all right, May 1st, I'm out. And then May 2nd, you know, I'm going to the bar and we're, se- or you know what I'm saying? Talk to me about like, like <laughs> the legitimate like details of what you considered in and then how you knew you were out. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I stayed very in, I, I would determine like my inness mentally belief wise were already pretty much gone. I was mm-hmm. still living the gospel, keeping the commandments, honoring my covenants until like maybe April or May, which is about when I got to LA. Um, and I, you know, I was still wearing my garments. I was still paying my tithing. I was still going to church. I was still doing all of the things, even though in my mind, I was like, that this doesn't feel right anymore. But um, a big part of that was my mom got married in uh, in January and I really wanted to be there at the temple, you know, mm-hmm. so even though I was kind of rattling with like my internal things, um, I was like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to still honor and do everything I can. I want to be there for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. And then uh, by the time like April rolled around, I was like, OK, we're going to try this. And I wore my garments probably until like the fall uh, it's it's such a scary thing to like take those off for the first time and I, I even carried them around in like a bag for like two and a half years up in my closet like I only recently got rid of them like maybe a year ago mm-hmm. um but yeah I, it was like a you know you're just kind of like <laughs> it's scary you have to have to be afraid of it and I was afraid of it but yeah I I was out with some friends and one of my friends that was here in LA she'd actually left the church also so she knew what a big deal it was for me to like be trying some of these first. And we did plan like my first latte. <laughs> like mm-hmm. We like showed up at like this little coffee shop in North Hollywood and she was like, okay. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to order. I, I've never done this before. Like, what am I going to like? What if I hate it? You know? And she's like, let's just start with a vanilla latte, which for those of you that are unfamiliar with coffee, it's just like a little bit of like espresso and then like a lot of like milk and sugar. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's like a very palatable version of coffee. And I was like, it took me a minute, but I tried it and I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is good. I could, yeah, whatever. So that happened. And then maybe a month, a couple weeks later, we went to a little bar and she was like, she helped me order like my first little fruity cocktail. And, you know, I tried that. And um, this was all a part of like the, the dipping the toe in the water of like not going to church and like, um, you know, trying some of the things that I have always been taught to fear and, uh, just experimenting, not going to church was weird for me at first. I actually, I, I didn't talk about this, but I, so I was going to the, the LDS church, the YSA ward. And then I started trying to like, well, maybe if I go to like some non-denominational churches, cause church mm-hmm. is such a habit for me at this point, I don't know how to let go of it. Mm-hmm. So then I started going to like some non-denominational churches in Hollywood and like, all around LA. And I was like, let me try this. And they're like giving me Bibles and like being so kind and welcoming. And I was like, this still just doesn't feel right. I think, I think in my soul of souls, I know I just got to take a break. I just need to like, you know, yeah, put, put a break on and like find myself outside of any of this. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of continued on. And I, I did, I, I think the biggest thing was stopping going to church for me to have that space and that freedom to explore. Um, and I learned that all of the things that I had been afraid of my whole life um, were actually like not, not anything I needed to be afraid of. And again, I know that challenges some people's beliefs. That's okay. For me personally, that was my journey was that I, I learned that the things I was afraid of were actually not that big and scary at all. Um, so, yeah. So, so what, so what then, um, I, I guess, I don't know. Did, did you have your records removed from the church? Uh, no, my, my records are still in the church, which okay. is, it's also interesting because I've had people be like, oh, well, your records are still in the church. So you're still technically a member of the church. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, what do you want to call me an active? I don't know. Um, I don't identify with the church anymore. I don't, I don't consider myself a member, but like, yes, yeah, so my, like my records are still legally within the church. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess I, I just wonder like, uh, to to push just a little bit more on this, was it like when you were like, okay, I'm not doing the garment thing anymore? Was that when you thought, hey, I'm done, or when you didn't go to church anymore? I I just I, I'm just I guess I'm just sort of curious because I go, you know, there are some people who 
you haven't been to a church building in forever. And they're like, oh, I'm Mormon. I'm Mormon through and through <laughs> and all that. And then other people who, you know, if if I'm interpreting your story, you're like, I don't identify that way anymore. And I just wonder if it's like, I'm taking these off for the last time and that's it. Or I didn't go to church, you know, one time in a month. So I'm technically inactive according to the church. And so that's when it is. I just, mm-hmm. I wonder what, what that, that was, that moment was for you. That's a good question. I don't think it was like one move was like, I'm done. I think it was the few. I think it was when I stopped going to church and Mm -hmm. I was like, this is weird. Never done this before. I've always been a church goer my whole life. You know, Um, I stopped regularly reading my scriptures around that point too. I stopped, you know, but again, it's like a lot of people will say like, oh, well, it's because you stopped going to church or it's because you stopped reading. It's because you stopped praying. Mm-hmm. And I would argue back at that. No, like my beliefs were gone already. Like I had lost my like conviction of everything that I was living way before I ever stopped any of the actions. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I did not believe it anymore way before I ever stopped doing the things that I was supposed to be doing to keep my faith. So um, the faith was gone, but I was still putting in the actions. And then I stopped reading. I probably like stopped praying. I stopped going to church. And then um, I think in the maybe the summer, it was really hot. That's what I remember. I was like, it's really hot. And I was like, well, let's try this. I wore a tank top for the first time in my life. And so I think it was like a, a bunch of those things adding up mm-hmm. um, that maybe maybe the garments were the final thing. But like, again, I, I remember. Yeah, I think that was that was probably the final thing. But um yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint it to any one thing because this is my whole life we're talking sure, about, you know, sure. it's 25 years of an identity and a belief system. It's like, there wasn't just one hard moment where I was like, all right, I'm out. It was like dismantling over the first half of 2019 probably is what I would like really pinpoint it to. Well, and there are the people that are listening to this and yelling, I'm sure that are saying, and, and, and it's, you still have, you know, decades of years. Right. So you'll listen to this again in the future and be like, oh, that's where I was then. And this is where I am now. (laughs) And there's so much that existed between then and now. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think and you probably got this question before. Do you think that you could see yourself ever coming back? People do ask me that. I I honestly know. And that, again, hurts people. I understand. But but to to give you some context of like I generally what I believe now is and you can disagree with me. I believe that like we are each capable of finding happiness, like your happiness and whatever you believe in and have chosen, it makes you happy mm-hmm. is wonderful and beautiful. And for a lot of the people, the gospel is happiness for them. Mm-hmm. I now believe that like I can find happiness in a lot of ways and I have found it. And I am truly genuinely, this is hard for people to hear. I am much happier now than I ever was when I was like very devout in the church. And it's okay if that's not your story. Mm-hmm. If the happiest version of you is the version of you that is living the gospel, honoring your covenants and keeping the commandments and going to the temple. If that's the happiest version of you, keep being happy, please. Like do your happy, you know, yeah. the yeah. happiest version of me is doing what I'm doing now. And I feel much more free, much more authentic, much more in alignment. Um, I, I, yeah, I truly like, I have never been so like happy right now. Um, and so I cannot ever see myself going back to a less happy version of me mm-hmm. because those things did not make me as happy as I am currently. And I still like have a belief in a higher power. I still, I don't identify God as the same way that I used to. Um, the God that I believe in now is very different than the God I used to believe in. Um, but I, I believe that there is a higher power. I believe that there's a source. I believe that there's a God. I'm much more like, um, spiritual in my belief in the universe and like all of these things. And, uh, yeah, there's just so much more freedom and so much more authenticity in who I am now that I don't ever, I I have no desire to go back to, um, the other version of me where I felt Mm -hmm. restricted, boxed in and confined. That's just me, you know? Just me. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Uh, there are likely people listening that know someone who is, you know, experiencing a faith transition, experiencing a faith crisis, comes to them with questions, comes with them with concerns, doesn't feel like they're authentic, all the things, or some portion of all of the things like what we've talked about. What what advice would you give that person listening to this to be able to 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 love and to care for that person that's coming to them? Yeah. Um, well, I can say one of the most important things is 
when I was going through that transition and anyone that I chose to talk to, it was so important to me to not feel pressured either way. I did not, I had a couple friends that had left the church and I didn't really go to them because I didn't want them to push me out. And I had a couple of friends that were still very devout in the church and I didn't go to them either because I didn't want them to push to keep me in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, this is internal. Like I need, so I went to some people who are very neutral and I, anyone I talked to, I was like, I need neutral ground here. Like I need to be able to have someone to bounce off this thought, this opinion without feeling like you're saying, yeah, life is way good out here. Or like, no, like the gospel, the scriptures, the book of Mormon, you know, I was like, I don't want any of it. I just need, I need a sounding board for my thoughts and my feelings. So that mm-hmm. would be like, one thing I would say is that regard, like wherever you are, if you're in the church, if you're out the church, like when someone's going through a very, like, uh, it's, it's tumultuous. It's like, um, it's like a cognitive dissonance is happening when you're being presented with information that does not match the information you've always been taking in. Mm-hmm. It's really disorienting. And, uh, you know, I would just say like, honor that person's journey, honor where they are, like be a support system for them. Do not push to keep them in, do not push to keep them out. And like, also let them know that your love for them is not dependent on what they believe or who they are, or like where they, you know, align with, uh, religiously. Like it is that, that was like one of the hardest things, um, for me, was just feeling like. Uh, there were people that, you know, didn't view me the same because I, my beliefs changed and it was like, whoa, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, you can do a lot of good by letting people know like, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter where you stand. I love you. I'm here for you. And if this is a path you've chosen and I support your happiness fully, that's all I want to hear people say is like, I support whatever makes you happy. And I say the same. I support whatever makes you happy. You know, do you find that people kind of uh, want to talk to you about it, but don't know how? Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially like my friends that are in the church still, and a lot of them felt very confused and a lot of them wanted details and I get it. Like I wanted to know too, at the time, at a time when I would see my friends leave the church, they'd be like, Whoa, 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 what's going on? Like, well, how did this happen? How did you get here? Especially when all of this first came out, I had a lot of friends asking me for the details. And I told everyone who asked me, Hey, uh, I understand why you're interested. I want to remind you that faith is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, faith is a personal journey. I have been on a personal journey and I am not at this time feeling inclined to share the details of my journey with anybody. And mm-hmm. all I would like is for your support. Um, and that was hard for some of them, for sure. I think a lot of people wanted to know, like, what was it? What did it? What changed it? You know? Mm-hmm. And I just was like, Hey, faith is personal. Just, you know, we've been, we've been taught that like, you know, if somebody else's testimony and somebody else's faith is, is everybody else's business and it's not, it's it's really not your business, you know? How much do you think of that as just that sort of innate human curiosity where it's like, oh, I wonder. And how much do you think it is like, oh, I want to know what she did so that I don't do it so that I don't find myself in that same situation. I think, I mean, maybe more of that applies and maybe you don't know, but. If you had to speculate in the times that you asked with uh, from people that had left, what what was your reason in asking? Probably 50-50. Yeah, mm-hmm. part of it was, like you said, the genuine curiosity. It's like anytime you hear about like an accident on the freeway, you're like, well, what happened? You know, yeah. how did the accident happen? Like you want to <laughs> know the details. That's like a human thing. And then a part of it is also, like you said, like how can I keep this from happening to myself? Or a lot of times, again, what I said earlier, the question comes because if I can disprove your reason for leaving, then that makes your whole story and your whole reasoning behind leaving invalid and the church is true. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like come to that, like, oh, well, if, you know, you're questioning this, but if I can make you wrong, then I'm right. And this is still true. So, and yeah, I get it. <laughs> so the it, it's an interesting so, uh, thing with your song because songs, um, works of art, I have heard described as sort of living, breathing things in that when you wrote it, it, you were at a particular part in your life and it meant something then Yep. some time has passed and you know, that, that song still exists now. And, and I would imagine that some things have changed or have grown. What, what has changed for you with that particular song since first writing it to then sharing it to where it is today? That's a great question. I mean, yeah, I was terrified to share that song. I wrote it. I was on the plane to Singapore for a gala for this 
social media thing that I was doing and I was performing there. I was like, wow, what is my life? Like that everything is really going well for me right now. Like I was making a lot of money. Like I was the more, more money than I'd ever made before. I was like traveling all expenses paid on a really nice flight to Singapore where I was going to perform for a gala for people all over the world. Like, like I was like, wow. And then I was going to go on a solo trip to Australia after that. I was like, everything is really going my way right now. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, I was like, but this would be really hard for somebody to accept that's within the church because there's kind of a belief that like things really go your way and you're like the ultimate version of your happiness and everything when you're living the gospel. And yet I'm not doing any of that. And everything is really working out for me right now. So that's kind of like what prompted it. I was like on a very long flight. I listened to this song by Sasha Sloan that it was like, it's called Thank God. And I was like, she's kind of talking about the same thing. Like I, I'm, I'm what you'd call a sinner now, you know, but I am still a good person. And I was like, well, <laughs> that feels really, really in alignment with how I'm feeling right now, which is like a lot of people would say that the way I'm living my life, I'm wearing a dress that you can't wear garments. I'm not wearing my garments. I'm not honoring my covenants. I'm, you know, whatever. And uh, a lot of people would consider me like a sinner or like less worthy than I used to be. So that kind of is what prompted that whole thing. And then I sat on that song. That was in 20, that was the beginning of 2020. It was right before the pandemic. I did not release the song until October of 2022. Mm -hmm. So I sat on it for like two years because I was like, I can't share this. Like, this is so scary. You know, people are going to look at me differently. People are going to treat me differently. People are going to be disappointed in me. Um, I, you know, and not only was I very devout in the church, I was also kind of in the public eye a little bit as like a, an LDS influencer on a small scale. You know, I did projects with the church. I worked on like the world campaigns. Like I, um, I hosted, you know, uh, I was part of a podcast host for like a, a missionary podcast, Um, I did a lot of videos with the church. I was in a lot of their campaigns and um, I was very publicly known as being LDS. And so Mm -hmm. it was terrifying for me to think about sharing this. And that's why I sat on it for so, so long, two years. And so finally I was like, this, this has to be shared. I have to share it. I got to get it out. I'm not who I am or I'm not who I was anymore. People deserve to know that. I'm not living in alignment with who I am if I am not honest about this, especially because I have an online brand that's like your internet big sis. Like I make advice videos for teen girls. My whole thing is I would like to, I want to be a positive role model in the media for young girls. But I also need to make sure that you know that that doesn't mean I'm going to be telling them to get their personal progress, you know, uh, faith in God or like, you know, do your personal progress. Like those are things I'm not, I'm not going to be telling you to do that. And there might be a time where I start talking about sex and how that affects a teenager and like things they can be looking out for and like how to avoid, you know what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. are things that are important to talk about. And yet those don't align with the teachings of the gospel because um, the teachings of the gospel is to not have sex until you get married, which is totally fine. But there are teenagers, there are young girls in the world that are already having sex that need to be able to have somebody tell them. you know, guidelines or things to watch out for, like how to not be in a difficult or, you know, hard position or, and you know what I mean? Like that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Just like, (laughs) not. I got what you meant. I got what you meant. Although I appreciate (laughs) Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because, because we we take the attitude that if we talk about it, that then everyone's going to be curious and then sooner than later everyone's going to be out having sex and i think that there is right. some value to have uh a, you know someone saying hey this th- this is i mean if if nothing else this is sort of why this is why we do it and we don't even go that far but then also like this is what a toxic relationship can look like this is what yes. an abusive relationship mm-hmm. can look like uh you know this is how you can prevent an unwanted pregnancy. This is how you can keep yourself safe from a sexually transmitted disease. And we don't step into any of those things because we go, listen, if we say sex, you are going to run out and go for it. And it's, I mean, I just don't think it's how people work. No, thank you. That was exactly what I was trying to say. You put it much more, (laughs) in a better way than I did. That's what I meant. It's like, there are important things that need to be discussed with sex, you know? And it's like, that is maybe something that an LDS influencer or an LDS big sis would not even touch because that's not even a belief that we have, you know, and same thing with alcohol, same thing with like drugs or anything like those are things that you would not ever talk about if you identify as LDS because it's something you don't touch. And yet their girls need to know like 
hey, like, don't don't drink. Or if you choose to drink, like, do it under these circumstances. Or, you know, make sure that you um, have a friend or any of these things that are really important to know. Mm-hmm. So anyways, oh, that was a tangent. But it was just important to me to be honest about who I was and that, you know, if I'm talking about big, big cis advice for a teenage girl, it may not look the way that you think it should look and it may not look the way that it used to look. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, so I shared I think, the song and I, yeah, all that. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of power that comes in being honest, right? I don't know how many times I've watched on the internet when someone, and I'm like, that's not how that person really feels, or that's such a show that's so fake. I can't believe that. And so you have that, like, you know, that trust, that integrity, that authenticity, which is a buzzword that I hate so much, but it really is. Like I can tell when someone is being honest and lives according to what they're saying. And then I can tell when they're telling me the things so that they can have a hashtag paid ad and they want to make <laughs> some money by it, you know, and that, and, yeah. and, and, and teenagers, especially, you know, they sniff that out pretty quick. I, you know, I have to say that, um, it's admirable the amount of courage, uh, I think that it takes to, to do something different in general, whether that's someone who is raised in a particular faith and then converts and finds themselves within the walls of the LDS church. And I think it's equally as courageous and life-changing and and all of those things for someone who has been within the church and then finds themselves without the church. And, and I know without a question that people listening to this have appreciated your willingness to be authentic, to be able to be courageous, to talk about the experiences that you've had and, and that it will in, in improve the situation for those people who took to heart the things that you said and to, to truly just love the people in their life, you know, be yeah. able to hear what, what they're going through, through and let them know, you know what? Yeah, that, that would be hard. And it doesn't have to be, but did you read, but did you go, did you think about, have you fasted this? It's just, you're, yeah. That's hard, and I'm here, and and whatever I can do, and I love you still the same. Um, there is a question that we ask everyone who steps into the to the cultural hall, and I would ask it of you. You get to interpret it however you'd like, uh, but the question remains: Is what is your favorite part of your faith? I like that. Um, my favorite part of my faith is um, a belief that everything is always working out for me. And that is like a, you know, it's kind of like a manifestation type thing that like maybe some people would not be as familiar with, but that is a current belief that I have, which is like everything is always working out for me, no matter how it looks, no matter what's going on, like um, everything is happening for my highest good. And I'm, I'm really uh, grateful for that. And I think that that has allowed me like um, so much trust, so much like faith, so much like belief and um uh, a lack of like i don't have to be afraid so much anymore i don't have to feel as much anxiety as i sometimes do it's like I, I believe everything is working out for me however that looks and i'm really grateful for that and this new identity that i have so um yeah interpret that how you will it might be yeah. a little bit different than what most people would say but that's what i believe so wow, i love it i love it uh Kelsey, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. Uh, All of the links of all of the different things that we talked about will be available in the show notes, including uh, the video with Kelsey and her mom, a link to purchase her song, Why Don't Ya, and be able to listen to it in its entirety. And uh, in the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.